Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Handoff, Foster running right across the five. He gets in, Arian Foster, his third touchdown of the day. And the Texans are beating up Indianapolis. What is good? What is up? It's Jordan here, Texans Thoughts, and we are back. Oh my goodness, it has been way too long, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize for going MIA on y'all with really no explanation. I apologize for that. Um, Full transparency, I had an opportunity come up where I could travel this summer, go through Europe, go through Asia, and backpack a little. And I took it and I ran with it and I don't regret it one bit because it was a life-changing experience. Honestly, it was absolutely amazing. And I really loved it. Um, and I would recommend it to anyone if you have the opportunity to do so. But that's what I was doing this summer. Um, amazing. And I appreciate you guys for tuning back in with me now. We will be picking up the content as training camp is beginning for our Houston Texans. What's up to Ziad in the chat for being first? I appreciate you, my guy. And the homie, Beige, is here as always. Let's fucking go. I got to be quiet because I'm at home now. Ain't in Vancouver no more. I'm in Toronto just for the time being. Uh, what's up, Alex? What's up, Money Matt? Let's go. We back, baby. The film don't lie. Ah, it's been too long, man. What's up, Nosh? What's up, Murphy? Oh, I miss you too, Beige. I miss you too. Um, but yeah, we're going to be getting back with our regularly scheduled programming here on the Texans Thoughts YouTube channel. And you can also find this here episode if you just want to listen to the audio version, if you hate how my face looks for some reason. You don't want to look at this? Hmm? I don't blame you. But if you just want to listen to the audio version, you will also be able to find this on the Believe in Texans podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and soon Sirius XM. That's right. We're hitting radio, baby. That's right. <laughs> I know, man. I know. I, I really should have just stayed. I really just should have not come back at all. I really should have just stayed in Asia. I went to I went to Italy. I went to France. I went to Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, and Vietnam, baby. And oh, my God. Let me tell you about it. Whew, amazing. Amazing times. Amazing times. Um, but, yeah, we're here to talk a little bit about training camp um some storylines some players to look out for position group battles really what to look for and what to to read about and, and, and look forward to um with this training camp and unfortunately Quentin Demps my co-host um is not going to be able to join us today he had some last minute things come up but that's okay we'll, we'll power through um he will be on our next shows all the, all the shows going forward hopefully and um we got something special planned for y'all for next week's episode. We doubling up. We ain't just doing one. We doing two next week. All right. Two shows next week because Quentin Demps is going down to Houston. He's going to the Texans training camp and he will be showing us live footage from training camp. He's going to take his phone. He's going to be showing us what's going on. He's going to be pretending to the Texan security that he's just on FaceTime. So ain't nobody snitch. All right. I don't want any snitches. No snitches in the chat. I know I can trust y'all. I know I can trust y'all. But yeah, if you keep it quiet, you'll be able to bring us some some quality content live from Texan Training Camp. Ain't nobody else doing that for y'all. So 
Hopefully you guys will tune in next week. He will be there Tuesday and Wednesday. That is August 2nd and 3rd. We'll be going live. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Quinton on Twitter. We'll tweet you some updates of when we plan to go live. Um, but yeah, Quinton's going to be there. If you are going to go to a training camp, go check him out. Go tell him Jordan sent you. Text him thoughts. Said hi. Um, but yeah, teasing us next week already. I'm too pumped, man. Ooh, let's go. Let's go. I feel like I got to do a lot of housekeeping before I really get into everything we're going to talk about today. Um, but first of all, Chris had a good point. Chris Martinez in the chat says, Mechie and the prayer hands. Prayers up to John Mechie the third. If you've not heard here, I can't even speak English properly. That's how long I haven't been doing this for. Um, but if you have not heard, he was diagnosed with um, lymphoma, a, a type of cancer. Now, luckily, on the good note, on the good side of things, is that it is a it is the most curable um, form of cancer. Let me look at it here. I, I did my research. I found the stats. 90% of patients reach remission and the long-term survival rate of 70 to 90%. So thank goodness. Prayers up to John Mechie and his close ones. Hopefully he can make a full-form recovery. Um, it is going to be a big loss to the Houston Texans, of course, but there's bigger things than football, man. This is someone's life at stake. And so what I would just say is that, you know, this one came as a shock to me, and it kind of just shows us that, you know, you never really know what's going on behind the scenes of people's lives. Um, and athletes are, are humans too, and so we got to prioritize their health and, and think about what they're doing um, and what's going on in their lives. And so, you know, if you have a chance, if you, if you are able to donate blood, um, you know, this is always just a good reminder that, you know, these health things can come out of nowhere and, and really just shock us all. So if you have a chance to donate some blood, go for it, man. Go for it. Um, we will talk about kind of the receivers a little bit later, Alex. I got you. Don't worry. Big day on Tuesday. Big day on Wednesday, man. We coming back. We're doubling up. Let's go. Prayers up. Yes, sir. Ziad. Um, Okay, for real prayers to Mechi, yes, sir. Okay, let's get into my outline. Let's get into the topics of the day. We're piling up in the chat here now. I appreciate everyone coming through and sticking loyal with your boy, even though I left y'all for a damn six weeks. <clears throat> I appreciate you. Um, okay. Oh, I gotta do an ad read actually within the first five minutes. I apologize. I apologize. I gotta I gotta pill pill the bays. I gotta pay the bills. Oh my goodness cannot speak bear with me as i work back into form into podcasting youtube and form whatever you want to call it all right our ad read of the day and then we're out of here don't worry comes from bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf that's right even golf Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first 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 sports bet. Use our promo code Believe Fifty at B L E A V five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Boom! That's out the way. He forgot Tritzi. I did, man. It's been too long. But I got to say, being back has been such a breath of fresh air. And being in here with y'all and talking with y'all in the chat, man, it's like nothing has changed. And I really, really appreciate that. I really appreciate y'all and allowing me to have this opportunity. I apologize for the camera quality right now. Y'all see this black line that's just kind of going up and down like it's like 
shutter is going up and down the screen. I don't know what's going on. The lighting in here is not ideal. I am not in uh, my Vancouver house anymore. I'm in, I'm in Toronto, but I will probably be back in Vancouver soon and get this whole situation situated. I'll probably get a lamp or something for next time and it'll be better. Okay, now that I've ranted about nothing for eight minutes, <laughs> our prodigal son has returned, Ultra Tough Scene says. Appreciate you, man. Um, now that I have returned, we're going to talk about the Texans training camp beginning tomorrow. So rookies and quarterbacks, I believe, have reported this week, but veterans and, and really every other player is reporting uh, tomorrow. And so it begins, it commences, man. Football is back. Let's go. Should be a great crowd tomorrow, man. Put in the chat if you're going to head to training camp. That should be a fun one, man. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Like I wish I could fly down and, and see it, man. Who's going to training camp? Let us know. Will you attend any games this season? It is one of my goals this year to attend a game. Um, it will probably have to be in like the later half of the season because I haven't planned anything yet. And uh, yes, but I do. Do we play Buffalo this year? That would be an easy game for me to go to. Or actually, no, it wouldn't. Something on the West Coast. What are our West Coast games this year? We play Seattle. We play LA. We play Vegas. Vegas isn't on the West Coast, but you know what I mean. Any of those games would be easy for me to, to attend. So I plan on it. It's one of my goals. Hopefully I can hit it. Um, we'll see, man. Primetime Bari is going to be sleep while training camp's happening. I hope to wake up some content. I got you. If you do, if you guys do want some content, I am starting a new podcast um, covering the entire NFL, not just the Texans. It's called the Backpedal Podcast. I'm doing with John Crumpler, who you guys may know is another Texans writer, content creator. He works for the Texans Wire. Um, and so we're putting out a NFL wide podcast. It's called the backpedal podcast. You can find it on my Twitter. I was just tweeting about it where it's the backpedal NFL, um, on Twitter. Um, first episode's out tomorrow. And then we're going to do a mega Texans related episode next week with five of the biggest Texans creators, reporters, writers, whatever you want to call them next week. So be on the lookout for that. Um, it'll be on my Twitter, but okay. Enough's enough. 10 minutes. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. Now we're getting back on track. Texans training camp. Let's get into it. What are the major things to watch for in Texans camp? First one, man, it's got to start with Davis Mills. All right. It's got to start with the quarterback one himself, the Mills Mafia, Davis Money Mills, whatever you want to call him. The hype with him is unreal, man. Now the question is, is it unwarranted or is it warranted? Well, if you look at his stats from, I tweeted about this the other day. Let me see if I can find it again. But basically, he had a very drastic improvement um, from, oh, that's me stopping my camera. Look at me. I don't know what to do. He had a very drastic improvement um, going from the first, is that working for you? Oh, there you go. Going from the first eight games of the season to the last five games. So as you can see on the screen here, I tweeted the other day, Davis Mills, he played like two different quarterbacks last season. Like it looked like night and damn day. Um, first eight games, he threw for 175 yards per game, 61% completion percentage, seven touchdowns to eight interceptions, had a passer rating of 65.6, and threw for a measly 5.29 yards per attempt. That's what Y slash A means. Those numbers, not great. You know, not horrible, especially when you consider that he was a third-round rookie who got thrown into the fire week two and wasn't supposed to start as early as he had to, but Tyra Taylor got injured, so it is what it is. 
there were some lows. There were some valleys, man. It wasn't looking good. He was looking like a third-round rookie with only 11 collegiate starts would look like. But then Tyra Taylor came back. Davis Mills hit the bench. He learned from his mistakes. He progressed, watched the film, improved. And, man, the last five games, like I said, like night and day. It was evident on the field, on the film, and with the stats, man. 251 yards per game, 68% completion percentage, nine touchdowns to two interceptions, 102.4 passer rating, and then 7.36 yards per attempt. So big, big jumps there. And some of those statistics that I named were actually borderline like top 10 in the NFL. If you extrapolated those stats for those last five games and imagine that he played like that for the entire season, he would have ranked 13th in yards per game. He would have ranked 7th in completion percentage, 7th in passer rating, and 14th in yards per attempt. So there's some top 10 rankings in there. There's some top 16 rankings in there. By those statistics, it kind of paints the picture that he was playing at least like a top half of the NFL quarterback, right? And there'll be a top 16 as there are 32 teams in the NFL, right? So very great improvement to see out of Davis Mills. And I have to say that the film, you guys know me. You guys know me and what I believe in. The stats don't tell the full story. They're useful, but we can't just rely on them, especially box score stats. But I went back, I watched the film, and man. Night and day, man, night and day, more accurate, more composed, just not making rookie mistakes, reading the defense quicker, um, throw, connecting on the deep ball. That was really, really important for me because it, it was something that I think is necessary out of every franchise quarterback nowadays is being able to create those explosive plays. And so I thought the film was, was great, man. I thought he showed improvements. And I think now it's kind of raising my expectations for what to look for out of Davis Mills next season. It really is. Because if you're telling me that the last five games of the season, he was putting up borderline top 10 quarterback numbers and at least top 16 quarterback numbers, then I need to expect that out of him for the next season. If I've seen you can do it now, I want to see it for an entire season, not just five games. Right, so now that is my expectations for Davis Mills. Is that lofty for a second year quarterback? A little bit, a little bit, but he showed us flashes that he can do it. So I want to believe in it, man. I want to believe that he can be the guy for us. Because if he's our franchise quarterback and we got him, that's right, Zia, for a third round pick, it opens up a lot of possibilities, man. It opens up a lot of possibilities. And that's one thing I want to talk about is if Davis Mills does prove to that that improvement over the last five games wasn't a fluke, wasn't lucky, wasn't just in garbage time, whatever, because there are some certain circumstances there that we, we, would, we could dive into. Um, but if he can do it over a larger sample size, we don't got to go CJ Stroud at the top of the draft next year. We don't got to go Bryce Young. We're not penciled into that quarterback pick that every four-letter network right now is saying that we should do. You go look at ESPN. You go look at PFF. You go look at whatever you want to, whatever you want, whatever four-letter network, three-letter network, um, big name media company. They're always penciling in CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. And I get it, man. I get it. But if Davis Mills can be the guy that many of us believe that he can be, that I didn't believe he could be at first, but I mean, I, things change, you know, I'm not going to stick hard headed to a take that 
he is proving me wrong at so far, um, then that's amazing, man. It's a luxury. It's a luxury to find your franchise quarterback as a third-round pick. Whew. Primetime Barry says, it's me writing in the chat on my phone and watching on my TV. De definition of locked in. That's, that is commitment right there, Primetime. I appreciate you, man. Doubling up on the Texans last stream. Thank you, my man. I miss you guys too, J-Rob. J-Rob, I miss you guys too. Trust me. This, this just reminded me of how much fun this really is. We got a Carolina Panthers fan in here. What's up? What's up, Panthers fans? Panthers fans are honestly good fans. Not every, uh, not every fan base is, uh, <laughs> never mind. I shouldn't talk shit. I shouldn't talk shit. Um, but okay. What else I want to talk about Davis Mills? We talked about his, his statistical improvement, the improvements I saw on film. Um, we talked about, you know, if you can play like this for a full five season, amazing. We don't got to go see this Stroud or Bryce Young. Do I think he will actually do this though? Do I think, do I have the belief that he will do it? I think a lot of it depends on, you know, we've talked just about Davis Mills, but at the end of the day, a lot of a quarter of the quarterbacks play is dependence on his surroundings. What do I mean by his surroundings? I mean, his offensive line, his weapons, his running game, his play calling, his defense. Those five things right there, those are the surroundings I'm talking about when I talk about you know, the surroundings that can help or hurt the quarterback. It's a team sport at the end of the day, right? So <laughs> the GOAT is back. I appreciate you, Evan. I appreciate you. I'm back. I'm back for good now, man. I'm back for good. Um, do I think the Texans give Mills that opportunity with their surroundings? Are we talented enough to prop up Davis Mills? Right? I don't know. I think it's a bit too early to say for sure before we get the pads come on, before preseason starts. That's when I would be able to give you guys the most educated take. Um, but speaking as to what they had last season, like the bar was already on the floor. You know what I mean? He already had to deal with so, so much shit last year in terms of bad offensive line, horrible running game, the worst running game in the NFL, right? Weapons, yeah, Brandon Cooks, love Brandon Cooks, but other than that, there was no established, dependable receiving threat for him. Tight ends were inconsistent all year. Defense was meh, um, could have been better. So the surroundings for Davis Mills last year were suboptimal, and he still showed a lot of flashes in the last five games. So the bar's on the floor, and they've made some good additions this year. And that's what the next thing I want to talk about is the offensive line, because that is really going to be, for me, the biggest thing to watch in training camp. And there's only so much you can learn from training camp practices, especially for the offensive line, because pads aren't on. But what I want to see out of the offensive line is obviously improved play for Davis Mills. So he has better protection. So the run game is better blocking and can be a more well-balanced offensive attack. But what I really want to see out of training camp, particularly as that is the topic of today, I want to see a different approach to the offensive line than the Bill O'Brien and David Culley era. All right. It is Lovey Smith's team now. It is Pep Hamilton's offense now. It is no longer the Tim Kelly offense. Thank God. Good riddance. Goodbye. It is only up from here. Exactly. Exactly, Chris. Exactly. And so what I want to see is a different approach to the offensive line and how they are handling playing guys at certain positions. 
All right. I want our guys to be able to gain the necessary reps at their best positions. I don't want to see Titus Howard moving around from left guard to right guard to right tackle to left tackle to long snapper to safe. No. Okay. Keep him at right tackle. We have seen that he is at least in an average to above average starting right tackle. At least, I would say. Very good pass protector. When he gets to play right tackle, man, you know your right side is, is secure. Okay? Does he Is he a perfect player? No, but he's young. And the fact that they have moved him around so much, that should speak to why he isn't, you know, maybe a perfect player. Maybe he can improve as a run blocker, for example. If you give him the opportunity to stay at one position and master his craft, then he's going to be able to improve on his weaknesses. So I think that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully Pep Hamilton and our new offensive line coach, George Warhop, are aligned on that. Um, keep Titus Howard at right tackle. It's not that hard. It's not that hard, man. And that contract almost up too, man. It's going to be – he knows he's one going to secure the bag. And so what Houston can offer him is, is paying him. But then it goes both ways in the sense of would Titus Howard want to come back here. If they're going to treat him like a guard, if they're going to treat him like someone just moves around all the time, he's not going to like that. And, of course, in the media, you're going to hear him say all the right answers and say he'll play wherever he wants to play. He'll do whatever the team needs to do. He's a consummate professional like that, of course. But deep down, man, offensive linemen will tell you just how hard it is to move from side to side, from position to position. It's not easy, all right? It sounds a lot easier than this, but it's not. I can hear Bill O'Brien saying words today, all right? They need to ban that damn word. Anyone who says the V word, give me 20 push-ups right now. That's what they got to implement. That's what I want to hear out of one this month. <laughs> That's what they need, honestly. So I hope Titus Howard is remaining at right tackle. And you got Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. That is one of the, it almost feels like an addition because we didn't have him for most of last season. So when I was talking about going from last season's roster to this season's, getting a full season of Laramie Tunsil will help the offensive line. All right. It will very much feel, make Davis Mills feel more secure that his blind side is being protected by one of the five or so, three or so best left tackles in the game. At least five, at least top five left tackle, in my opinion, at least. That's the lowest you can put him, in my opinion. So those are your tackles. Now, what does the rest of the starting lineup look like? Well, another addition I'm really excited about, Kenyon Green. First round pick, what is it, 15th overall out of Texas A&M, the hometown guy. Man, I'm excited for that one. Now, he gives us the idea of Kenyon Green is really, really exciting to me because he fits exactly what we need on that O-line. We need a mauler. We need a bruiser. We need a bully. Someone who don't give a fuck about who's in front of him. He's just going to maul him and run him over and be a force in the running game. And that's what Kenyon Green did at Texas A&M. That's who he was for them. He was the heart and soul of that running game. They would love to run behind him and have him pave lanes. And he's a big-ass dude, too. <laughs> he's a big-ass dude. I would not want to be blocking him. I would not want to have to go up against Kenyon Green. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully they give him the start at left guard. That's where he played majority of his snaps at college at Texas A&M. But he will be another good test for George Warhop and the offense. He will be another good test for the V word, for the V word, because he was very V word in college. He played left guard. He played right guard. He played left tackle. He played right tackle. 
In my opinion, his best ball came at left guard. From watching this film of over two years of him playing all those different positions, his best film came at left guard, in my opinion. It's nice to have the, the versatility. It is nice to have, oh, I said it, I said it. I need to go give you all push-ups now. It's nice to have the B word, right? But I need to see him just settle in at one position and get comfortable there, all right? They tried to make Titus Howard versatile. I think it might've delayed some of his development. Don't make the same mistake with Kenyon Green. Learn from our mistakes, please. Please, please, Texans, learn from our mistakes. They say Max Sharping is the best shape of left. Hey, comeback season for Max Sharping, that would be huge. The thing with Max Sharping is the expectations are low now so that at any anything he gives us is, is just icing on top. Anything he gives us is icing on top. Give me 20. Y'all got, yeah, oh, oh, I thought y'all forgot about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Do I got to? I can't even show you all on the camera. Okay, I might. I might. If more of y'all ask, then I will. If more of y'all last night, I'm out of shape though. I just ate dinner. I just scarfed down some dinner, burnt my damn tongue for y'all. Because I was recording earlier, I was recording that podcast. I was telling y'all earlier about checking the back pedal NFL. Um, and so I was. <laughs> no, no, it was it was one. It was one. It was one. Ah, uh, here y'all come. Ah, uh, here y'all come. Okay. I don't even know if I can do 20, man. When's the last time I did 20 push ups? Oh, man. Okay, fine. I'll give it to y'all because my boy Alex said so. Give me 20. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, let's see. Let's see it. One second. Let's try and put this camera. Can y'all, if I go down on the ground here, can y'all even see? No, y'all can't. Okay, let me put the camera down on the ground for y'all. This is what we do for y'all. We go the the extra mile here in, in Texans Thoughts. There we go. Camera's on the ground. You see my slippers. You see my the curtain that I tried. You know what? It's a long story. Y'all don't need to know. Y'all don't need to know. All right, here we go. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We'll go one more for good luck. Woo! There we go, baby. Let's go. Woo! I still got it. Let's go. Woo! All right. <laughs> like Dan Campbell. How was the form? How was the form? Whew. Let's go. Two dollars. There's my reward. Thank you, Ziad. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. 20 push-ups. We got it in. Sean Con- Conroy wants to know, isn't it sad being a Texans fan? Sometimes I feel you I'm a Lions fan, so we have our ways. Man. There's ups and there's downs. But at the end of the day, fandom, I'm going to stay loyal to my team. It's, it's difficult at times, but I love this team, man. There's nothing I can do about it. You know what I mean? Like, the ups and the downs, I'm going to always ride with them. So are there some sad moments? Yes. Oh, my God, I'm out of breath. <laughs> but, hey, we in this together, man. We in this together. We find a family. We find a community. 
to, that everyone's supporting each other and everyone is in the same boat. And so, man, we get we get through. Nice form. Okay, thank you, thank you. That was nice. I love you. So with equipment, I guess. Sixty nine for the culture, Chris wants. Oh man, not sixty nine push up, man. I'm y'all gonna have me in a body bag with that. God damn, money mat, money mat. Let's go. Thank you, my man. Twenty dollars. Twenty for twenty. That's the challenge. I'll definitely do twenty push ups. Twenty dollars. Let's go. Texans until we die. Let's go. Let's go, Charles. <sighs> okay. Now that I have recovered from that, let me get some water. All right. I don't even know where we're at. We're at the O-line, right? We're at the O-line. We're talking O-line. Talking about the starters. I've talked about rookie Kenyon Green. Um, yes. What I did want to say about Kenyon Green, I'm very excited. For me, training camp is, is more about the process. It's more about the approach than necessarily like the results, especially for the O-line because no pads. They're not hitting Right. So it's kind of hard to, to, to say for sure what that's going to look like. But as we go into preseason, as we go into the regular season, I'm very excited about Kenyon Green. You just heard me want to rant about him for five minutes at least. But what I would say is that at the end of the day, he is a rookie. So I would just say that, you know, expect some slow stars, maybe some ugly rookie mistakes as it happens with all rookies, no matter where you're drafted. Um, but yeah, in the long run, man, I think Kenyon Green's going to be a great pick for us. And I think he's going to give us that bruiser on the O-line that we need to, uh, to help boost the O-line. I'm hyped, man. I'm hyped, Charles. Let's go. Whew, forget that. <laughs> you play the piano. Oh, no. Nah, nah, you ain't getting that from me. You ain't getting that from me. That one's going to make me look stupid. I tried to learn when I was young, which Asian doesn't. Um, but... <laughs> After that, man, I did not like it. So I was like, I'm quitting. I've done this for like at least five years. I'm quitting. So I haven't played at least since I was like, I want to say 12, 13. It's been at least a good 10 years. So I'm going to be looking like a fool. Throwing another 20 plus. Ah, oh, man, money, man. See, I know you got it like that too. I know you ain't bluffing. I, you th I, know, you, I know you were throwing a 200. If, if, I know you got it like that, but... <laughs> Uh, I honestly couldn't play a song for you on the piano. I don't know a single song. You give me a, a sheet of paper, I wouldn't be able to do nothing with it. Nothing. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Casserole scale, that's a good question. If you guys don't know, um, Nick Casario, Casario, close, close to Casserole. So that was kind of my nickname for him in the beginning. And I gave him a, a scale, you know, from good casseroles to bad casseroles, depending on how his performance was. And I think he's been pretty damn solid. I wish I had the photos of me editing his face onto a casserole right now. I do not. Um, but, hmm. I would say, you know, I like his draft. I think he did some good things in the offseason, made some good for agent additions that can help with depth. And I would say he's like a solid, you know, like tater tot and like meatball casserole. You know, you guys ever had one of those? Nice tater tots with some like crusted cheese on top, and underneath you got some nice meatballs. Maybe it's got some like marinara sauce in there. Mmm, mmm. I'm hungry now. I'm hungry. This is perfect, man. These are perfect questions. J Flo wants to know who's the weakest link on the O line, and Charles Galindo wants to know what about AJ Can. Well, y'all answer both my questions in 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 one right there. Two birds, one stone. Who is the weakest link on the O line, J Flo? AJ can. 
AJ Can is, in my opinion. So AJ Can was one of our first free agent signings from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was a what do we got here? I have I have the notes here. A six-year starter for Jacksonville. Right. Five of those years, he was a positive player. He was a good player, at least a positive on your offensive line, um, especially as a run blocker. That's his bread and butter. So, you know, if we were signing the 2017, 2018 version of AJ Can, I'd be sitting here praising Nick Casario. I'd be raising him up on the casserole scale for sure. But we're getting the 2022 version of AJ Can. We're getting the version who just has been declining since 2020. And then in 2021, he only played five games until he injured his MCL and was lost for the season. So not only do we did we sign a, an, an aging and declining player, but we signed a player who's coming off a major knee injury. And those can be pretty actually detrimental for offensive linemen. Justin Britt came off of a major knee injury hasn't been the same since. We'll get to him in a second. AJ Can coming off this injury is having me lower the expectations for him. Okay. So I think he is going to be a bit of a weak link on the offensive line, especially in pass protection. I hope he can at least be an average to above average run blocker because that's always been his bread and butter. And we could use that, especially at the guard position. But I'm going to be really really worried about his pass protection. He's going to remind me of Jeff Allen, of all these other bad guards that we've had, Xavier Suofilo. Um, Man, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty in terms of the pass pro. So hopefully Davis Mills can, can kind of know that, hey, if my weak link is the right guard, if I know that that's where I might have to anticipate some pressure, if he knows that ahead of time, hopefully... <coughs> Y'all got me dying over here doing these 20 push-ups. Oh my gosh, I just had to mute the mic and cough up a storm. But if he can know that the prey, the pressure most likely is going to come from that right guard position, then he can build that into his plan of escaping that pressure and hopefully adapt to it, man. Hopefully, man. Um, but yeah, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> I think that's going to be our weak link there. Jay, oh, thank you for the $5 with the super sticker. I appreciate you, my man. Appreciate you for the $5. Um, I think that's going to be our weak link there. And then the last starter on the offensive line that I project is Justin Britt. And, you know, he's going to be a bit of a meh. Just meh. That's my feelings on Britt. You know, great culture guy, great leader, says all the right things. And I think he's a good like glue guy kind of for the locker room in that sense. But the performance on the field last season was not great. Um, hopefully with more continuity and chemistry with this O-line um, that he can improve. And hopefully now it'll be almost three years after his ACL injury. Maybe now he's finally fully 100% back to his Seattle form. I don't know. You, you can hope for it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my money on it. So I think that interior might be a little Zach Fulton. That's another one. That is the main guy I was thinking about, Alex Hirsch, when I was thinking about all the bad guards we've had. Yes. AJ Can is going to be reminding me very much of Zach Fulton. Very much so. Um, but Justin Britt, yeah, I think that interior is, is going to be, it, it could use some help, man. It can, it can use some help. <laughs> 
Kevin Green I love, but the the center and right guard is going to be giving me headaches all damn season. I already know. I already know the film breakdowns I'm going to be doing. I'm like, why did the Texans lose the game? Because center and the right guard shipped bad. I think that's going to be a lot of the time the major reason. <laughs> um, but okay, let's get off of that now and let's move on to the rest of the offense and talk about the weapons, man. The weapons that LSU got rookie. Yes, that is one other offensive lineman I need to talk about that I'm excited about. Um, Charles Galindo says, and SUVSSMG also says, the LSU guy that we drafted in the sixth round, Austin Deculus. Um, he played right tackle for LSU. Some people reject him to guard. Um, he's a big dude, strong dude, experienced, very experienced in college. I think he like set the record for most starts at LSU, something like that. Yeah, five five year starter in the SEC exactly SUV. Um, so hopefully he can come in and, and provide some solid depth. I wouldn't expect him to start, but maybe in a few years he can become a starter. Um, I think at the very least you're getting maybe a decent solid. Uh, sorry, hopefully you're getting a swing tackle um, who has the potential to play inside. You never know, man. You never know. But other than that, on the O line, man, there's not much else. There's not much else. You hope Max Sharpen can have a, a comeback year. Hopefully he's in a better mindset, have some more confidence back in him, and he'll be good to go. Hopefully, hopefully. But yes, let's now move on to the next part of the show, and that is talking about the Texans' weapons. And we all know about Brandon Cooks. That's like his safety valve. You know, that's someone he can he knows he can rely on. So it's great to have that with Brandon Cooks. He's going to be the number one option. I don't expect any of that to change. I'm excited to see what Pep Hamilton can do with him. Hopefully he can scheme him up a lot of touches because he is undoubtedly, in my opinion, the best. See, it's close between him and Tunsil in terms of the best player in the offense. But he's the best weapon, obviously. But he's probably our best player on offense, Brandon Cook says. The most impactful player. Let's put it that way. The most impactful player on offense, Brandon Cooks. But what I really wanted to talk about is the guys behind Brandon Cooks. Because we all know about Brandon Cooks. We know what he's going to bring. The guys behind Brandon Cooks being Nico Collins. I was going to say John Mechie. I had John Mechie on this, but I had to update it. Um, Nico Collins, and I think the other most important young guy really here is Brevin Jordan to watch, right? Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan are going to be two of the weapons that I'm really looking out for in training camp, just seeing how they're progressing, seeing if they're making basic improvements. I want to see both of them improve on their routes. I want to see both of them play faster. Um, and that's really it. It's really about the route running for both of those guys. Um, Nico Collins particularly has a big, big, big opportunity ahead of him to really emerge as the Texans wide receiver number two behind Brandon Cooks. And I think he can do it, man. I think he can do it. The potential on this kid is, is off the charts. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 6'3", ran a low, um, low mid 4'4s in terms of a 40-yard dash. He's got the height. He's got the speed. He's got the ball skills, man. The amount of sideline, toe drag, swag, catches where I see him moss defenders in college at Michigan. Whoo! His college tape was amazing, man. It was amazing. And so I think he just needs to get, you know, he needs to get his feet wet in the NFL, gain some rhythm, gain some confidence. Now year two, he can take that meteoric jump that a lot of receivers take going from year one to year two. So I really hope Nico Collins can do that for me, for us, sorry. Um, big Nico, that's right, Money Matt, that's right. Um, he's going to be like probably one of the five most important guys in this training camp to watch, in my opinion. 
his progression can mean a lot for the team. I think he can be a, a wide receiver two of the future, maybe even potentially wide receiver one if he does fully hit his um, ceiling. It's just all about potential right now with Nico Collins. You know, there's there's really two Ps when you kind of think about um, talent in, in this scope that I'm about to explain. There's potential and there's production. And we can look at the Texans' two top receivers in, in this lens. Production, that's Brandon Cooks all day, man. You know what you're getting out of him. He's dependable. You know what you're going to get. You know the production. He's proven, right? Now, Nico Collins has got the potential, man. He's got the raw tools, the athleticism, the size, the speed that I'm mentioning. That, hey, if he puts it all together and he can reach that production, whoo, we're cooking, man. We're cooking. So I'm feeling excited about it. Um, and now the next op weapon I want to talk about, Nosh, perfect segue for me. He says, how do you feel about Brevin Jordan? I'm excited about Brevin Jordan, man. I was excited about the draft pick. I thought we got a pretty good value when we took him in the, what, fifth round in 2020, 2021. Um, I thought it was good value. And I think he's a good fit for how Pep Hamilton likes to use his tight ends in the passing game. He, Pep Hamilton expects a lot of his tight ends. He likes dual threat guys. He likes guys who can block and pass, catch. Brevin has some ways to go as a blocker. I'll be frank about it. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But as a receiver, that dude fast. That dude athletic. That dude shifty, right? Money Matt says, give it a few years. Brevin could be our Darren Waller. Ooh. Um, I do think in some of the ways that Darren Waller is used on the field, Brevin Jordan would also benefit from that. And that, and what I mean by that is Darren Waller isn't always used as an inline tight end, right? You don't always, and when I say inline tight end, inline tight end means that you are lined up right beside the offensive line, right beside the right tackle or right beside the left tackle. He's in line, in line with the O line. Darren Waller gets used in the slot a lot. He gets used out wide like a wide receiver. And I think that's what Pep Hamilton should and will do with Brevin Jordan. He's almost going to use him like a bigger slot wide receiver. That's what I hope. That's what I would do. That's what my game plan would be. And I hope Pep Hamilton sees it the same way. Why is that? Because like I said, Brevin Jordan might not be the best blocker. So you might not want him in line all the time. Exactly, Alex, Brev in the slot. Um, so you might not want him in line all the time because he's not as good of a blocker. He's not as big as your Darren Fells's, your CJ Fedorowicz's. Your, um, your Feral Browns. Now, those are all guys of a varying degree of, of talent and blocking prowess, but you get my point. He's not as big as those guys. He's more of a receiving guy like a like an Evan Ingram, right? That type of, of tight end, where he's almost like a, a bigger wide receiver. So you put him in the slot, and now all of a sudden you've got a bigger slot who's still got the speed of you know a very athletic tight end or, or or a bigger wide receiver you know what i mean and so he's gonna have that natural height advantage over the smaller nickel cornerbacks that typically play in the nfl that are around you know five nine to five ten five eleven and brevin's i believe six foot two let me double check the height on that brevin jordan height i believe he's six two Six three, six three, six three. even. So he's even taller than I thought. So he's got that size advantage. And if you get him in the slot, you're going to create more opportunities for him to get the ball in space. And I think that's also going to be a big aspect of Pep Hamilton's offense is the screen game. 
Now, I know we saw a horrible screen game out of Tim Kelly, but that was mainly because of his predictability, how often he would call screens, you know? Number two, the play call and asking too much of his blockers. And number three, just poor execution. And it looked like they were just coached poorly in terms of their technique to get onto the blocks. So I'm hoping that Pep Hamilton can do a better job of all those three points. And I know that he will want to get the ball in his hands of his playmakers quickly and get it out quickly so the offensive line doesn't block too well. So the screen can be an extension of our run game. We've seen the Patriots do it a lot. We've seen the Chiefs do it a lot. And I think Brevin Jordan is going to be one of those main guys that they're going to hopefully feed the ball to because he's shifty, man. His yak skills, his yards after the catch skills are his main trait. And it's it was arguably the best out of any tight end in, in his draft class other than, I believe, was Kyle Pitts in his year? Or am I tripping? No, Kyle Pitts was after him. I was, I think I'm tripping. Flea Flicker was on point, though. Yeah, if there's one thing Tim Kelly had in his bag, it was, it was the Flea Flicker, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Brevin Jordan's strengths. And so whenever you know a, a strength of a player, you want to play into it, you want to maximize it as much as possible. So hopefully that's what they can do for Brevin. Some more reps in the slot for him. That will also help mitigate some of the loss of John Mechie. And we also know, I saw someone mention it earlier, do I think we're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets? Sorry, do you, so Primetime Virus says, do you really expect us to only run two wide receiver sets? So it's not going to be that we're only going to run two wide receiver sets, but I do think that is going to be a lot of our base personnel because Pep Hamilton and George Warhop, they want to be a run-heavy team. Lovey Smith wants to be a run-heavy team too because he's a defensive guy and defensive guys love to have run-heavy teams that can control the clock and keep the defense off the field for longer. And so we know that that is going to be the identity of this Texans team. So what the identity was last season, we just weren't good at it. Now, this year, hopefully we can be better at it. So only up from here, we were worse in the league. Um, but to do that, one thing you can do personnel-wise is getting bigger personnel on the field, larger personnel on the field, which means taking away a slot wide receiver who's typically 5'9 to 6 foot at the most and getting a tight end who's... 6'3", 6'4", 6'6", whatever it may be on the field, and then having that size advantage as an additional blocker, right? That's kind of the, the thought process behind it. And you look back at Pep Hamilton's time with the Colts, he ran a lot of two tight end sets with Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener, um, and, and those guys. They always prioritize the tight end position. Jack Doyle is another one. Um, so I think Brevin Jordan will get a lot of snaps in that role. And I do think we'll be running a good amount of two tight end sets. <clears throat> I hate running every team's like the Titans. See, the Titans take it too far, man, in my opinion. Jerry's here. What's up, Jerry? It's all good. You're late. I appreciate you coming in, man. I appreciate you. Yes, that's why I'm very excited about Damian Pierce. He fits the identity of this Texans team perfectly. We want to be a power running team, a ground and pound team, control the clock, keep the defense off the field. Um, and Damian Pierce is going to fit perfectly into that, man. He's, he's also one of the most important, not most important, most guys I'm excited for to see and hear about in training camp next week. Reese says, I assume that's how you pronounce it. Reese, right? I've, I've, that's how I've heard R-H-Y-S be pronounced before. So Reese Cruz says, Brevin Jordan is a Walmart Kyle Pitts. Ooh, still good though. I hear you. I hear you. Um... <laughs> Y'all crack me up in the chat, man. I can't even read some of y'all's comments because I got to put this out into a podcast for man. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, so in terms of the weapons after Brandon Cooks, talk about Nico Collins. We talked about Brevin Jordan. Those are the guys I'm most excited for. After that, man, it's really, you know, should the Texans, a big talking point is should the Texans, you know, add another wide receiver to the room to help replace Mechie? Should they go trade for someone? Should they sign a veteran free agent? Or should they just kind of roll with the guys on the roster, right? Those are the three options that we can go with. I'm not a fan of trading for a player because, you know, I think we, we are a team that really needs to build through the draft. You know, we're not going to be signing any big name free agents anytime soon, realistically. Hopefully we can, but realistically, that's not really how Nick Casero even likes to operate. So we're building through the draft. So we need every draft capital, every draft pick we need, we can get. And I wouldn't want to trade a draft pick away for, you know, essentially a one-year rental, right? John Mechie is expected to return next season and be completely fine. And so if we're only going to be trading for a player for, for one year until Mechie comes back, like I just don't really want to give up that capital. You know what I mean? So I would rather them not go the trade route. I would rather them not go the veteran free agent route because the market's kind of shit right now. Julio Jones just got signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <sighs> God damn Tom Brady. Um, but other than that, man, like it's it's Cole Beasley, it's Adam Humphreys, it's T.Y. Hilton, it's Emmanuel Sanders. Like there are some talented guys there. Don't get me wrong, but they're all at the late stage of their careers. And I just don't find it realistic that they're going to sign with us. Why would they want to sign with a rebuilding team? Wouldn't they want to go sign with a contender that gives them a chance to win and puts them in a better position to get their next contract? You know what I mean? So I think the best Ross, the best plan of action and what will end up happening is that they're just going to run with the guys on the roster. That's why they build out the depth in the first place for things like this, to prepare for things like this. And so who might that be? Maybe it's Chris Conley, who we know kind of what we're going to get with him. He's kind of more of your, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five type of guy, but he can step into the wide receiver three and, and be okay. Um, the guys that I'm most excited for about are Davion Davis, who would be kind of the youth play, right? Chris Conley would be the veteran play. Davion Davis would be the youth play at 25 years old. He's, I believe, going into his third season now. <clears throat> and so he's got a lot of room to grow. And hopefully he can be a, a diamond in the rough for us. If it's not Davion Davis, the name who might be the best mixture of, you know, production, but then also... Um, dependability is Chris Moore, who's 29 years old. And he showed really good chemistry with Davis Mills. He was dependable. He was targeted 26 times last year, last season, and he caught 25 of those damn passes. There are many wide receivers who go 25 or 26, man. That's, that's kind of unprecedented. Now, of course, it's a small sample size, but that's enough for me to say, hey, like I'm kind of intrigued with that. Let's see what you can do with a, a full season. You know, and so that wide receiver three position, I'm really not too worried about it. I know a lot of people want to see a move, but I think it's also a position that number one, we have options on the roster. Number two, it's not a high position of need. It's not like we just lost our wide receiver one. It's not like we just lost our wide receiver two. We lost a wide receiver three. We lost our slot wide receiver who isn't going to be playing as many starter snaps as most slot wide receivers would. Like if we were the Rams, if we were the Cardinals, if we were the Bucks, a lot of teams that play three and, and four wide receiver sets even, then I'd be more worried because then it's like, okay, you're actually losing like a full-time starter. 
But for the Texans team that I just mentioned, it's going to be running a lot more two tight end sets. Then I'm not as worried because we're going to be running with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins most of the time anyways. I want Nico Collins to get those reps. I want to see him develop and improve and become the guy I know he can be. So I'm fine, man. I'm fine chilling and, and, and not really adding anyone. Uh, C. Royce Collins. So Primetime Barry says, how about a Fuller reunion? And C. Royce Collins says, hell no. Hell no. He said, Fuller can stay away. He's on a slot anyway. Um, see, you know, I love Fuller, man. I thought he was going to be amazing for us. But he can't stay healthy, dude. He can't stay healthy. I just don't think that's that's worth it. It's not a, I mean, it's only a one-year deal, but it would. I would assume it will be a one-year deal. But I just don't even think it's worth adding to the roster, man. You can't depend on him for shit anymore. It sucks. He's so talented, man. He's so talented. But it is what it is. All right. We talked about the offense. Now let's get over to the defense, and then we'll end this episode here. I don't want to hold y'all for too long. Um, Not glass fuller. <laughs> going flow. That's a good one, flow. I got I to gotta have you writing my jokes, apparently. That would be nice. Have someone write jokes for you. Could you imagine? I need a ghostwriter. <laughs> Flo, you want to be my ghostwriter? Um, okay, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball now. We talked about who to look for on the offense, what position battles and whatnot. Um, for the defense, man, it really, for me, there's kind of two main things I want to talk about. First are obviously the rookies. The rookies are really, really exciting for me, man. We haven't had a top three pick in forever. And so Derek Stingley, man, the number three overall pick out of LSU, can he be our cornerback one as a rookie? You know, it seems like he should because we don't really have a cornerback one on the roster, but it's harder than it sounds because cornerback is always between cornerback and quarterback. Cornerback is typically the hardest position to transition to in the NFL. Historically, even all the great quarter cornerbacks that you now know today, historically, they all struggled. They all played bad. Most of them, I shouldn't say all, majority of them all played bad as a rookie and it was ugly. So what I will say with Derek Stingley is if there are some rough moments, if there are some lost reps, there are some times he gets mossed, he falls down, he gets his ankles broken, he gives up a catch or whatever. If it does happen, it's okay. Patience, staying calm. It happens to every cornerback. Every corner get back gets beat eventually. And Stingley is the type of guy that he's always being a, a potential play, right? It's always been about potential for him. We've seen him dominate as an 18-year-old true freshman in the SEC against the best competition that college offers. We know he can play, right? He's always punched above his weight class. And so now it just might take a little bit of time transitioning to the NFL. We got to give him that time and patience. He might not be a star from day one, but if he stays healthy, I guarantee you he will be our cornerback one for the um, foreseeable future. I believe in that. And I'm really excited to have a cornerback finally that is like a natural when the ball is in the air. He is like a wide receiver. His ball skills are his best trait. Derek Stingley's are. He plays the ball like a wide receiver and he's going to be breaking up passes, hauling in interceptions once he gets into a groove. So I'm excited for that because you know Lovey Smith and his turnovers. He's going to be prioritizing that and uh, it'll be big. It'll be big for us, man. Hopefully he can get into that rhythm and uh bring us in some interceptions we got 70 in the stream i appreciate y'all i appreciate everyone who's tuned in already if you haven't hit the like button 
subscribe. I believe we're almost at 6.2K subscribers. Get me over that. I think we're at like 6.19. Can we hit 6.2 by the end of the stream? I would very much appreciate it, y'all. Um, and then, yeah, check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, all those typical podcast platforms if you didn't catch the entire episode. All righty. After Derek Stingley, the other rookies, I, I will get to the D-line flow. I got you. Don't worry. That is the, my last point of the day. But after Derek Stingley, um, I want to talk about Jalen Petrie. And the main thing with him is, man, I'm so confident in Jalen Petrie being a baller. I know it'll happen. I don't know if it'll be for the Texans. I don't know if it'll be for another team. But it will happen. He will be a baller because he's wired right. When I interviewed him, this guy was locked in. Out of all the guys I interviewed at the Senior Bowl, he was absolutely the most locked in the most like competitive, like he was like attacking each interview. Like he was playing on the field, man. Like this guy is wired different. So I know he's got that drive in him. I know he's got that dog in him and it's just a matter of time for Jalen Petrie. Um, so that's why I'm excited about him. But what I'm curious about for training camp is to see which position he's playing, right? Cause with Petrie, the V word is a big, big thing with Petrie's game. At Baylor, they played him all over the field. They played him in the box as a linebacker. They played him in the box as a strong safety. They played him as a nickel cornerback. They played him deep as a strong safety. Um, they moved him all over, man. He was a Swiss Army knife for them, jack of all trades, all of that good stuff. And he impacts the passing game in zone coverages as a blitzer. He impacts the running game. Um, he's a tackling machine. Like he really does deserve the comparisons he gets in terms of Tyron Matthew, Bruda Baker, um, those type of hybrid nickel corner safety linebacker guys, right? And I think he can be that for us, but it'll be interesting to see where they play him. Are they going to play into the V word or are they going to just stick him at one position and have him learn that and have him be comfortable? I'm not here to say if, if one way, you know, is really better than the other. Um, for Petrie in particular, I, 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 I staked out my point for Titus Howard and Kenyon Green. But Petrie is actually one of those players that is kind of better when you get to move him around a lot. Um, and I like him as a linebacker. I like him as a nickel corner. I probably wouldn't play him too much as a free safety if we're getting into the specifics of things. But I'm curious to see what they do, man. I'm curious to see where a majority of the snaps come from. I really am. And I hope it's mainly at linebacker and uh, nickel corner. Um, but there's more of a need at safety. So I'm kind of hypothesizing and guessing that it will mainly be strong safety. That would be my guess. Um, as for the other rookies, I think Petrie could be a Justin Reed. Charles says he can be better than Reed. I think he can be too. I think he's more, Reed was athletic, but I think Petrie is more athletic. He's more explosive. And he was just around the ball more. Like his production was absolutely insane at Baylor. Let me pull it up because it's actually just insane what numbers he was able to put up as a defensive back. Share my screen. Boom. Can you see? Yeah, y'all can see. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, five years at Baylor. Look at these last two years, man. 
look at these last two years. Combining for 135 tackles in his last two seasons, 29 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, can't do math, four interceptions, two touchdowns, nine pass breakups, three fumble recoveries, and four forced fumbles. Those are his stats in his last two years when he was a full-time starter um, for the Baylor Bears defense, man. He fills up the stat sheet. Whatever you want to like talk about, like most DBs, they'll have some ball production, right? They'll get some picks, they'll get some PBUs for you, but they're not all gonna rack up these TFLs and these sacks. Like it's insane. So he's that's why I really say he is like a jack of all trades. That's why the versatility with him makes sense. He can truly do it at all these different spots. Truly. So very excited about Petrie. <laughs> oh my god. Um, very excited about Petrie. I would honestly guess that Jonathan Owens does start at, at free safety. You're not wrong, Jonathan. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, last defensive rookie I want to talk about was Christian Harris. Um, that was one of the picks I was like a little bit more hesitant on, to be completely honest, but that's okay. I'm not going to love every pick. That's just kind of the nature of how things go. But I do see the upside with Harris. Now, the thing is, a lot of people are talking about him as a potential starter. I don't know if I would go that far just because, you know, Kirksey and KGH are kind of, you know, they're going to be the guys there. They love Kirksey for his, for his leadership. Um, and then KGH was the, our best um, linebacker and one of our best defenders, like is between him and Grenard for the best defender last season. So I'd expect them to start and play the, the two main linebacker positions. Now that third position is up for grabs between Garrett Wallow, between Christian Harris, between maybe a guy like Jalen Reeves-Mabin. Um, and what Christian Harris brings you and why I don't think he might be a starter right away, number one, because he's a rookie. Number two is because his skill set is more tailored to sub-package linebackers. What does a sub-package linebacker do and what does it mean? It means that you're being brought in um, for third downs, for third and longs, when the team wants to go into nickel formation. Um, and in those situations, typically the offense is, is in a clear passing situation, Right. And so what Christian Harris does really well in those situations is he's a really good blitzer, really, really good blitzer. That is his singular best skill set, in my opinion, is that when you ask him to just simplify his job, get after the football, just run, just haul your ass there, like he can go, he can go. And I'm going to pull up his 40-yard uh, dash time because I forget it off the top of my head, but I remember it was fast. It was among the top of the uh, linebackers that year. Christian Harris, 40-yard dash is 4-4-4. So you're talking about a, a, a linebacker with 4-4-4 speed, blitzing, getting after the quarterback, man. That's a big-time asset for you. So while I don't think he might start right away or even as a rookie at all, I think he's going to have a lot of value on third down. Those third and long situations where, you know, a lot of time Lovey Smith likes to rely on just a four-man rush, now you got Christian Harris, man. That is another added weapon to your toolkit. You got to use it. You got to blitz more. So that's where Christian Harris and, and Jalen Petrie go hand in hand together is that they're really good blitzers, both of them. So third down, you bring those guys in and you blitz their asses. You put pressure on the quarterback, man. Stop playing conservative and go after the quarterback. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. How do I feel about the playoffs for the Texans, Ziad? I'll put their chances at 1.79864%. That's 1.96784%. Sorry. 
Sorry. I'd probably put their wins at anywhere from four to six. If we're lucky, it's seven. But that's the absolute ceiling, in my opinion. I think four to six wins is, is realistic. All right. Now the last topic before I get out of here uh, that I want to talk about for the training camp is how does the defensive line look? How does the D-line look? And I think we're good with the DTs. We kind of know what that's going to look like in terms of the starters. It's going to be Roy Lopez, and it's going to be Malik Collins. I'm glad that that duo is back. I like those guys, and I'm excited to see a jump from Roy Lopez and, and have him make more tackles, make more plays, and potentially improve as a pass rusher. So I think what he was was very good for you as a run stopper and just doing his job, holding his gap. But if he can make that next step, man, be more consistent, make more plays in the backfield, that's huge. Absolutely huge. Collins, we know what we're getting out of him. Love him. It's the defensive end rotation that I'm really interested in seeing. We lost the GOAT. We lost Jacob Martin. But we brought in a lot of more um, established pass rushers who have historically good sack numbers in Jerry Hughes, in Mario Addison, and Rasheem Green. I'm a big believer in Jerry Hughes. Um, I think he'd be a really good third down guy to bring in and just fly him off the edge. Like that dude might be old, but he still got some juice to him. Um, so I like Jerry Hughes addition. Mario Addison. Everyone's high on Mario Addison. I need to watch some more of him, to be honest. He has good numbers. He's a consistent five to seven sack a year guy. Um, and I think he could be the starter potentially. But the guy I'm really, really high on, honestly, is Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green. He played for the Seahawks. Um, and he has flashed a lot of good things for them. Um, he's one of those guys that, uh, sorry, let me pull up the stats so I can show y'all because I'm a visual learner and y'all are probably visual learners too. Sharing my screen, boom, 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 machine green. The stats don't look amazing. That's what I was going to say is, is the stats may not look amazing, but if, if you look at the two years that he was starters, he had four sacks in just his second year, and he had six and a half in this past year when he was a starter. And for a guy who's just 24 years old going on to 25 now, like those are, are pretty decent sack numbers to start off with. You know what I mean? And he was doing this on very bad Seattle defenses, right? So he's going to be on a similar situation with the Texans where, you know, he, there's not a lot of talent there to help him out, but that's okay because he's done this before, right? And so I'm excited to see him take that next step in his progression. Hopefully, playing with Lovey Smith's system can unlock that for him. Hopefully, allow him to play faster, get off the ball faster, and get after the quarterback. Because I'm a big believer in Rasheem Green. He's a big guy at 6'4", 280 pounds. So he's got that typical defensive end size. Um, and he's a guy that you can play him on the outside and you can play him on the inside too. So I think having that versatility will be nice. So imagine your starters are, are John Grenard, Malik Collins, Roy Lopez, and uh, Rasheem Green. Then on third down, you go John Grenard, Malik Collins, you take out Roy Lopez, and you put in Rasheem Green on the inside, and you bring in either Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison on the outside. You can rotate those guys in along with Ogbonio Okorwankwo from the Rams. That's a good rotation. That's an improved rotation from last year. So I think there is optimism for me to believe that the Texans can have a better pass rush than they did last year and in years previous. And I'm even talking about freaking Jonathan Grenard, man, going into his third year now. Hopefully there's another jump there. We saw a good jump from his rookie to his sophomore season. He led the team 
in sacks with eight. He only played 12 damn games, man. Only played 12 damn games, had eight sacks. So he was very, very efficient. Um, and I'm just hoping that, you know, he can stay healthy for, for a full season. And I think he can hit that double digit number. I think he can, man. That was another guy that I interviewed. He was one of my very first interviews, actually. You can find it on the YouTube channel. Um, I talked to Jonathan Grenard. And what really stood out to me about him is how smart he is. He is so smart. Like the way he was talking, like he's a damn defensive coordinator. He could be a damn head coach. Like he knew every little detail of the game, every little detail of the play call. Like his memory recall was amazing. Um, and he was very detailed. You can tell that he's a student of the game and that, you know, he's going to put in the work to improve his, his weaknesses and just get better every year. So I'm a big believer in him. I love that draft pick. And uh, I think he'll, he'll be able to take a step for us, man. But yeah, that's it for me. That's my training camp preview. Um, if you weren't here earlier, I mentioned that Quinton Demps, my co-host, he will be down at the Texans training camp next week on Tuesday and Wednesday, August 2nd and August 3rd. So if you guys want to go, go say hi to him, say hi. Tell him Jordan or Texans Thoughts sent you to say hi. Um, he's, he's signing autographs. So he'll be there in the mornings, I believe. And not only that, but he's also going to be... We're going to be live streaming live from Texans camp, but keep it a secret. Keep it a secret. So we can't have the Texans find him out. Okay. He's, 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 he's going a little undercover because we don't really know if we can really record and, and, and live stream those practice rooms. So we'll see, but just be on the lookout for Tuesday and Wednesday. Follow me on Twitter te at Texans underscore thoughts for more updates of when we'll go live, but we're going to do a live podcast show, whatever you want to call these from training camp next week appreciate y'all for tuning in thank you so much for putting up with my with me going mia for the summer but we are back man we are here the season is almost here i'm so excited to watch football again even if it's just preseason in a few weeks dude it's gonna feel so good i'm really happy to be back thank you guys so much for the support i really could not do it without y'all you guys are always here to have my back even when i go mia and i appreciate it so thank you guys once again um, we'll see y'all next week. Take care. And remember the film don't lie. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.